Thank you, Jesus. Well, good morning. We're so glad you joined in with us this special Resurrection Sunday morning. It was 2,000 years ago, our Lord and Master Jesus, he um, conquered death, the last foe to be defeated, and rose victoriously and uh, gave credence to our belief. He gave power to our preaching and gave purpose to our life as he rose under his own power from the grave that he had willingly surrendered to as he laid his life down as a ransom for many on the cross. Today's a victorious day, celebrated all over the world by Christians and uh, believers and followers of Christ. We thank God for this morning, for what it represents in the light of everything that's going on in our world right now. We thank God that the Son of Righteousness has risen with healing in his wings, and therefore we can exclaim with the psalmist in Psalm 118, death um, has been swallowed up, and we can say now this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. As the psalmist said in 118, I will praise you for you've answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected, he has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and for his mercy it endures forever. Last few weeks we've been talking out of Malachi, how the wicked were being prepared for a burning oven, yet the Lord had sent a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord. And he would come for those who fear his name with healing rising up in his wings, that the day would burst forth in the midst of darkness and gloom. This is the celebration we have today of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is unlike any that we've celebrated in our own lifetimes. The whole world is in a state of level of panic and pandemic. People have been locked away into their homes, some on quarantine, others just locked away for their own protection. We are in uncertain times and often uh, feel that fear trying to creep its way in. We live, as often as said, in unprecedented or very uncertain times. Many unaware of what the future holds. But today, today is a day that we celebrate the realization that the last of the enemies to be defeated was death. Death has lost its stranglehold, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the 15th chapter of his first letter to them. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? It has been taken away because sin has been dealt with through our Lord and our Master Jesus on the cross. The structure of the religious system today um, that's been so familiar to many, has been shaken. Fear and anxiety flood the heart and the minds of many. We ask in the questions all over the world today, what does this all mean? Well, let's look back into the world in which Christ came. He stepped into a world. He came into a world and uh, brought much hope, but at the same time, through his death on a cross, perplexity to his followers. The disciples of Jesus 2,000 years ago were shaken to their very core as they saw the security they were finding in the hopes of the kingdom being established, shattered 
as their Messiah was hung on a cross to die a gruesome and a humiliating death. Less than a week earlier, their hopes of transformation and destiny were fueled by the miraculous resurrection of Lazarus from the grave and the shouts and praises that literally shook the ground in Jerusalem of Hosanna, as the psalmist said, save now, bring now prosperity. Lord, flooded the streets of Jerusalem, literally ground-shaking event. The one who is blessed and had come in the name of the Lord was now buried, having been hanged on a tree, unable, as it seemed, to save his own self. How could he now save the people that were crying out to him? What did this mean for their lives? The ones that had left everything to follow him. They had nowhere to go. Their lives were directly tied to this Jesus, and this Jesus had now been crucified as a common thief and a criminal on a cross and was dead. Where could they go? They had left everything. They had left their family members, been alienated from peers, relationships, and even jobs to follow this Christ. They couldn't just pretend like nothing happened and go back to their old way of living. It's interesting in times like this when the whole world is shaken up and, and things you know are no longer the way they used to be. What do you find for answers? We find in the story the disciples are locked behind doors away from the world in fear and desperation. They're unable to prosper and, and unable to process what they're going to do next. The hopes of a rule that would ride out the Roman jurisdiction were now seemingly tormented and intimidated by this play of Roman and Jewish power. The thoughts of Rome being put under were now smashed as their king was under the power of Rome's most vicious threat of resistance, the cruel cross. To this, we find the story of Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, to be the picture that had been painted. It was one of despair and hopelessness and gloom as it appeared, but we find that in the midst of all this, God had prepared a sacrifice for sin, and in that sacrifice, the righteous one, the one who had no sin himself hanging on a tree, couldn't be held by its power. And therefore, the last enemy defeated would be the grave and death itself. And thus we echo with the Apostle Paul, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Today is a day of great celebration in the realm of the Christian faith. And for those who are followers of Christ all over this world, because we know the power of the resurrection, for this message would have not carried any further than just in that moments of despair in those bleak hours of locked doors, the message would have been crushed there if it weren't so. But the resurrection, it gave power and it gave witness to the fact that all that Christ had promised and all that Christ had taught had been made real and alive. And the very words of Christ now ring to us true even 2,000 years later. It is finished. The grave is empty. Sin has been atoned for and we have life in his name. I pray that you are blessed this morning. I pray that you are excited of the fact that the greatest enemy to humankind, which has held many in the grips of its fear and torment, death, has been destroyed, broken, and shattered. We have a promise of life and life eternal through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would understand and comprehend the reconciliation that has been made, that Christ has come to seek and to save sinners from their sin. I'll just pray a blessing upon you this morning, and I pray that you would celebrate together with us this joyous and monumental moment of the resurrection, which has taken place in our lives through belief and faith and trust in Christ, 
and at the same time sparks and fuels the hope that we have of an eternal resurrection of the dead to be forever with Christ as he's seated now upon his throne. Death couldn't hold him down. The grave could not find victory. The enemies of this world have themselves been defeated. The very means of intimidation and weapons assailed against the Christ have in fact been used against them and they lost their power as they hung the Messiah on a cross. Today is the day we celebrate the resurrection from the dead. I'm so glad you joined with us this morning and I pray that you just sense right now wherever you're seated or wherever you're standing the presence of the Holy Spirit, the promise we've been given because of Christ's sacrifice and the life that is now at work within us. I'm going to be preaching a message this moment, uh, this morning in just a few moments entitled Above the Noise. And we're going to look just a little bit about above the noise where Christ is seated above, that we have a Christ and a God who reigns. Um, I'm going to have Angela. She's going to come and share a special presentation of, uh, of a dance interpretation to uh, just celebrating and, and worshiping our Lord for all that he's done for us. And so I just pray that you would just worship together with us and just hear these words that, uh, that, are, that are being sung as we, re- as we play those. And um, I would also just invite you, if you are a believer in Christ and, and you are a true follower of Jesus, that uh, you would join with us uh, in closing this service this morning by partaking of the emblems that represent the body that Jesus gave over to be broken and the blood that he poured out, which served as an atoning sacrifice for sin. We are going to participate in the communion meal together Uh, I know it's virtually, and we miss you so much, and I just want to send a blessing to you all. Uh, Give a special shout-out to Naomi, turns three years old today, that that God would bless you on this special day. And uh, all those who are just uh, in a a place of pause in their life right now, thank God for the fact that we have hope in the resurrection, that he often moves in very real ways in very uncertain times, that God stirs and sparks within the hearts of his people the need, to seek him earnestly. As I was preparing for this very special day, I was thinking about all that I could share regarding the resurrection is the hope that we have in God. It is a promise that we have in Jesus Christ that without resurrection power our faith is worthless we're wasting our time the apostle paul wrote to the corinthians in the 15th chapter and he lets us know how important it is that we hold to this truth because he said in verse 12 if christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our faith and preaching is empty. Our preaching is empty and so is our faith if there's no resurrection from the dead. And verse 15 says, in fact, we're found false witnesses because God testified that he raised up Christ. If there's no resurrection, then God didn't raise up Christ. And if that's the fact, that dead don't rise. For if the dead did not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is worthless. It's futile. And you're still in your sins. 
That's a scary thought, isn't it? He wrote, if this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiable, pitiable, miserable. In other words, that the Christian faith is not just for the right now. It's not a now consumed life. It, it's not all about the right now. The resurrection tells us that our faith does have credence, but our faith is rooted in the fact that the dead will, in fact, rise. There's a coming day when the trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And all those who are believing and remaining on this earth are going to rise themselves together to meet the Lord in the air. And this is the blessed hope that we have when Christ comes back for his church. And it's all been prepared because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Verse 20 says, If Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Death came through a man, and also by a man, which is Christ Jesus, came the resurrection from the dead. Firstfruits. Christ did something in his resurrection that pertains to you, and it pertains to me. As I was wrestling with the uh, message today, um, asking the Lord what he would like to communicate to his people. The Lord brought me to Colossians chapter 3, and if you want to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, that's where we'll spend our time this morning. Several weeks ago, um, before we were aware of what was about to overcome the whole world, this invisible enemy that has instilled fear into many, has crippled economies, has shut down restaurants and stores and places of entertainment, has disrupted our routines, has caused us to stop and really reconsider where we're going to go, when we're going to go, and if we can, in fact, go. Regulations have been put in many places where um, there's nowhere to go. But it's in these times of uncertainty that we can learn a lot about ourselves, what we really prioritize. And in the places where we're brought down to the essentials, a word that's become very common to many people or all people in this world right now, um, that word essential has brought us back to the fact of what really is essential in our lives. Before this pandemic, the Lord spoke to me that we need to learn to master the mundane so that we could learn to maximize the moment, I believe that the Lord has always been preparing his people to be able to thrive in adversity and to be able to handle situations that are uncertain and be able to do well, in fact, in order to thrive and to rise above those adversities to see God glorified in the midst of it. Through great depressions, there was great spiritual awakening. Through times of uncertainty and pandemics and epidemics and, and disease and pestilence, People have begun to seek the Lord, realizing how frail the human condition really is. And it's in those moments we come face to face with the fact that there is a God who's created us for his very self. And he's not interested with us joining in to a celebration one or two times a year. He's interested in us paying attention to him every moment of our lives. Because as the apostle said in the book of Acts, as he was speaking to a bunch of philosophers, he's not very far away from any one of us. In fact, in him we live 
and we move and we have our being. This is the, w the world we live in right now. It's an uncertain one, but in the uncertainty, we can find the one who's certain about everything, the Lord who created everything, and who is able to help us navigate through those seasons because he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who's created everything. And we can see through the word of God that he's given to us the power of prophecy. In fact, the death of Christ was not something that caught those who were inquiring minds truly off guard as the Spirit of God began to reveal. They were spoken of right from the beginning, even in the garden where man had given into the temptation of the serpent and sin began to wreak havoc within our world. There was a promise that one would come. His heel would be bitten, but his foot would crush the head of the serpent. This was a promise given right in the garden. Right from the get-go, there's been prophecy concerning Scripture, concerning the Christ and how he would ride into Jerusalem as we looked at last week. It was 800 years before he came riding in on a donkey to Jerusalem to these shouts of save now thy people, O Lord, to the prophecies concerning how he would die his death. Yet not a bone in his body would be broken that it would be fulfilled what was spoken by the psalmist. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He opened out his mouth. The words of the prophet Isaiah. And we could go prophecy after prophecy of the things that pertain to the Christ that he would come, he would suffer an atoning death and a sacrifice of death uh, in the most brutal of ways. Thus, uh, even spoken way back in the days of Moses, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Of course, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus in John 3, that this would be the means of which Christ would die. Of course, being lifted up in that Roman society would be known as the cross. All these things were known by God. They did not fall out of sight of his eye, even as we read from Psalm 118 to open, bind the sacrifice to court with cords to the horns of the altar. Christ willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice and atonement for sin. The stone which the builders rejected. Jesus came to his own people. They rejected him. But as many as received Christ, he gave the power to become the children of God to as many as believed on his name. The stone which was rejected has become, in fact, the head of the corner. And it's marvelous in the eyes of the people. How can the one who was rejected and crucified and put on a cross be elevated to the place of Lord over all creation? It was marvelous in the eyes of men, but it was the Lord's doing. This is the hope we have, that you can't put Christ down because there was nothing in him to hold him down the sinless one, the perfect lamb, laid down his life in fulfillment of prophetic word. This is the hope we have in uncertain times, that God is in complete control. When we don't know what's going on, God is still aware of everything that's going on, and therefore we can ask him wisdom, how we should live our life, because he said he gives wisdom liberally to those who ask him without doubting, who truly believe him. That's what James says. So as we learn to master the mundane, I believe that God was setting us up as his people to learn to get back to the essentials of our life so that in the moments where we hit those, moment, those, those periods that are critical or opportunistic, that we would be prepared and ready to respond. God wants his people to be able to respond correctly. If you remember when Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, he had asked his disciples to come away to him to a garden to pray. And in that garden, Jesus poured out his, his heart and his soul to the Father praying and he came back to find his disciples sleeping and he says do not you do you not know the hour that's coming you couldn't tarry with me you couldn't wait even one hour and this thing's going to catch you off guard because you weren't prepared god is always in the in the in the preparation ground in our lives because he doesn't want us to fail 
in the trials. He wants us to be able to thrive in the midst of them. How do we handle pandemic? Well, God knows he's the only one who can give wisdom. And yet in the middle of everything that's going on in our world right now, I find it very interesting that we fall right in line with prophetic utterance, prophetic word, and prophetic implication that Christ our Passover this past Wednesday into Thursday. The Jewish calendar, the Jewish people celebrated Passover. It's interesting in all the Seder meals, everything was done a little bit differently this year. Everything's been shut down. But upon that Seder meal, there's a shank bone of a lamb, but no lamb itself because the lamb has already been offered. The old sacrificial system is nothing more than an empty bone because the Christ and the lamb that was slain, whose blood atones for sin, is risen. He is risen. And there's no need anymore for a lamb to atone for sin because once for all, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6, Christ has offered himself for us a sacrifice and atoning work that we can be presented to God as ones free from the power of sin. Aren't you hopeful today that there's a power at work within us that's beyond the power of this world? Mastering the mundane. Last week, I, or, or a few weeks ago, mentioned that that word mundane uh, pertains to the things of this world. In fact, uh, Webster defines it as of relating to or characteristic of the world, characterized by the practical, the transitory, and the ordinary, the commonplace or the earthly. Many of you uh, can sense that right now. You've been locked in your homes for the past three weeks, and now it looks like there's going to be at least another three before you relief into your normal routine, and your normal routine might not be normal anymore. The world's in transition. Things are shifting, but God remains the same. Aren't you grateful for Christ who remains the same yesterday, today, and forever? This is the hope of the resurrection we have. In the midst of transition, in the midst of the mundane, that God wants to teach us how to use those things that seem so ordinary and exercise mastery over them so that we can maximize the moments that we do have and we can see our life amount to something that brings glory to God in the end. All of us one day are going to stand before the judgment of God and he wants us to learn how to thrive in the midst of everything that's going on. Amen. The mundane. You're all familiar with it. Everybody's going on social media saying, man, one more day of this, I'm going to lose my mind, you know? especially homes that are filled with children. Children understand the mundane becomes really mundane real quickly. Give me something exciting to do. Get me out of the routine. You know, around my own neighborhood, you see everyone's out on their bikes and walking. Everybody's trying to get uh, some, some change of scenery because the mundane is something we often try to remove ourselves from. We don't like to be uh, uneventful and bored, but it's in those moments, if we would learn to master them, that we would actually be set up for the success that God wants us to walk in. I, I wanted to share with you this morning that God's been speaking to me. In fact, in preparing for this Resurrection Sunday, the scripture the Lord continues to bring me to and, and before me is found in Colossians. I had you turn there, chapter three and verse one. And I would entitle today's message, Above the Noise. Above the Noise. And, and God knows that we need to get above the noise and we're going to find that there's one who's above all the noise of this world because this world is in constant movement. In fact, we, we are just we're surrounded by the, I call them the talking heads. It's just so many different type of news programs. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. We got one uh, area over here. We got 
extremes on this side, we've got extremes on this side, and it's so hard to even find out what's the balance in the moment. Many of us even are confused as to really what's going on even in this pandemic. What's true? What's not true? What's real? What's there to be fearful of and what's there not? And all these different things are, are crowding our minds, and we are surrounded by so much noise. We live in the noisiest culture, I believe, ever. We have devices constantly before us. We have access to all kinds of avenues of just noise. And God wants us to find the place where we can get above the noise, above the noise. And so the Lord brought me here to Colossians, and we'll read together in verse 1, speaking to those who have experienced the resurrection power of Christ by faith and trust in what Christ has done. The Bible says that all it takes is believing in what Christ accomplished on the cross. And I, I, I pray that if you're joining with us this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus that actually translates into every day, that doesn't translate into the mundane of your life, the ordinary, the everyday, the usual. If God isn't king of our whole lives, that, that you'd hear what I'm speaking this morning, that if God is God and God has given us a hope and God has revealed to us his purpose in sending his son, not just to atone for sin so that we could go about our, our business, but to show us the life that has been now granted to us through that, that faith and trust in Christ, to live as it were, above the noise. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, or if you've been risen together with Christ, speaking of resurrection power that pertains to us, set, uh, if, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, above, where Christ is, and he's sitting. He's sitting at the right hand of God. I, I find it interesting that Christ is seated on his throne. No matter how much the world is in upheaval, Christ is seated. Christ is seated. He's not in a hurry. He's not anxious about everything that's going on. Christ is occupying the position that has been given to him because he alone was able to atone for sin. He alone had laid down his life as a sacrifice, and he alone was elevated to the highest position, given a name by the Father, which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. This is the hope we have as believers in Christ. There's no other name, and there's no other God. Hallelujah. It's Jesus. Jesus. And he says, I would, I would ask that you would seek the things that are above. Even though you're in the mundane, even though right now you're locked into the, to, to, a, to, a, to a system that you're not necessarily comfortable with, right now that you are stuck in, in an environment that you would like to remove yourself from, you just want to find an escape from it, God says that even in that place of, of being in the mundane, that you can find, that you can get above the noise. Because Christ is there seated above all the talking voices, above all the opinions of what is right and what is wrong, what is ethical and what is unethical, what's important and what is not, what is prosperous and what is true poverty. And, and if we could see above the noise, we would hear something that's so different, so foreign to our natural understanding. Christ is seated on a throne. He's king. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth for you died 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You'll appear with him in glory. That's great hope, isn't it? Death has lost its leverage in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. The fear of death no longer cripples us because death itself is just a transitionary moment into the best life that's been provided for us. Contrary to opinion, this will never be your best life. Your best life will always lie on the other side of this transition from this life to the next. That God has prepared us for eternity. And eternity is something that can begin in our hearts right now. The Lord spoke through the Apostle John. And he said, this is eternal life. That you might know the one true God. And Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That you might know him. Like really know him, not just know about him, not just be able to say what he did, that one, you know, many years ago he died on a cross. But what does that mean? How does that translate? Because the Easter story and this Easter Sunday, as we remember the resurrection, it's not only something that we celebrate that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's something that is just as earth-shaking, life-changing, and worldview-shifting today as it was in the lives of those disciples who had the appearance of the risen Christ come into a place where they were locked behind doors for fear of the current society, the pressures around them, and the Jewish faith that was antagonizing and trying to rid the world at that time of every resemblance of this one who, de who declared himself to be the Messiah. That it's a worldview-changing resurrection. And many of us need a worldview change, don't we? even many of us as believers, and thus I believe the Lord brought me here to Colossians chapter 3 to let us know much of our life has been lived in the mundane, but in the mundane we've missed it. We haven't maximized it. We haven't mastered it. What we've done is we've fixed our eyes upon the things that are temporal. We've got involved in all the busyness and all the trials and all the, and all the things that are important in this life. We've gotten busy. We've gotten weighed down. We've gotten distracted. We've lost sense of the greater purpose. We call ourselves believers in Christ, but we're not living with any type of real resurrection power. And I believe the Lord wants to this morning just awaken us again to the fact of who we are because we're his. And who we are and what we're capable of doing, it all translates back to the fact that Christ caused us to rise together with him when we put our faith and trust in the work that he did. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6, buried with him in baptism in which we were also raised together with him to newness of life. Newness of life. That there's a power at work within us now because of the resurrection that we can have a hope. It's not just 2,000 years ago. The Apostle Paul commissioned by the Holy Spirit to instruct God's people to look up here in Colossians. Look up. He said, remember these words are written from behind prison doors. Letter to the Colossians, written behind prison doors, telling the people, don't get locked up in this world. Get your eyes and your gaze above the noise, the noise of those who are trying to intimidate you, those who are trying to instill fear into you, those who are trying to show that they have authority and power over you, but they possess none. They can destroy this body, but only God can destroy the soul. My life has been entrusted into the hands of God. This disease can't really destroy who I am. All it can do 
is, is wreck the outward body. But the outward body ultimately is going to be a wasted away anyway. But it's the inward man that matters. And that's the one we want to be renewed daily in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to give you hope this morning that the resurrection gives validity to the person of Jesus Christ. That if he didn't rise from the dead, then we could just pass him off as another figure that appeared and then disappeared off the scene in history. But if he rose under his own power from the dead, then everything that he said and everything that was spoken of him cannot be ignored, it can't be discounted, and it has to be evaluated with a scrutinous eye so that we can actually believe these things to be so and we could experience the life-giving power that they give to all who have faith and trust. We're not talking about fantasy. Our world is very well acquainted with fantasy. We're not talking about something that sounds like a great idea. We're talking about reality. In fact, the only reality in this world is Christ. We need to get above the noise. We need to get above all the conversations that are going on and all the opinions that men have about who Christ is. And we need to hear what Christ says about himself and the witness that he's left behind for us and the fact that this gospel witness continues to infiltrate this whole world. If the resurrection wasn't true, that, that story of Jesus would have died there in the streets of Jerusalem with all the intimidation that was there, both through the Jewish uh, uh, leaders of that day who were against Christ and the Roman opposition that wanted to extinguish any power that would exert uh, or, or bring an influence of another king other than Caesar. That would have died there and we never would have heard any more about it. The proof of the resurrection is something that you need to really investigate for yourself if you don't believe this. And if you do, is it really at work in your life right now? Because God wants us to be a people who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Look up, he said. Behind closed doors, I'm, I'm locked up in prison, but I'm instructing you, I can still be above. It says of John, though he was locked on an island in Patmos, on the Lord's day, the Lord brought him up in the Spirit and began to reveal things to him. Listen, our position that we find ourselves in the natural does not need to determine our altitude, our expectation, or our outlook that our outlook can be, can be transitioned to the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. Amen? So uh, as we move on here, above the noise, I, I want to just share a few things here and, and we'll close and then we'll participate in this life-giving table which is the celebration of the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus Christ, that we celebrate this fact. And Jesus himself, celebrating that Passover meal, said to his disciples, this will be the last time I'm going to drink of the cup until I do so in my kingdom. And he said this, that every time you participate in this and every time you remember what I've done, you will proclaim my death until I come death until you come. How does that work out? The resurrection from the dead. Every time we participate in these emblems, what we are actually declaring is, Lord, we need to get our gaze up. We need to get above the noise. We don't need to hear what my body is saying. We need to hear what your body has said as you bore upon the tree infirmity and sickness and death. We need to hear what you say, Lord, when I feel the antagonism of the enemy convicting me of all the things I once was and once did, and I need to know the power of that shed blood that atones for and covers over all sin. It doesn't matter where you find yourself this morning. There is a river 
in which you can find cleansing. And the cleansing is not just dealing of superficial issues to the very core of who you are. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we declare these things because Christ is, in fact, risen and seated at the right hand of the power and authority of God above the noise. As I was thinking about above the noise, I, I couldn't help but think of this word dissonance. Dissonance. Say, dissonance, what's dissonance? You know, I'm not a, a music major. Um, I don't know that much about music, but I'm familiar with the term dissonance. And in, in musical theory and in, in musical composition, there's a need, and, and some people actually, dissonance is an interesting thing because we live in such a relative world. Some people would call some things consonants, though they're dissonance, and others, you know, it's, it's based, there's a relative scale similar to art, you know, what's really art. And uh, what's music? Uh, there's debates as to what those things are and what's dissonance and what's consonance, what really is pleasing and what's unpleasing. It's interesting in the world that we live in, some of the things that are really unpleasing and grating, some people celebrate those things as actually music. But to me, it's just noise. But in the ears and the eyes of God, he's the only one who has perfect tone and perfect pitch. He's the only one who really can tell you what really sounds like a good sound and what just sounds like a whole bunch of noise. In fact, even in the Christian realm and in the, in the Christian faith, there's many who express spiritual gifts, but to God, it's nothing more than just a bunch of noise. If you don't have love, all your spiritual expressions are worth nothing. They're just tinkling cymbals and clanging gongs. They're just, just, just dissonance. It's just, it's just noise. And there's no resolution. Wherever there's dissonance, there needs to be a resolution. If dissonance is going to be used in anything valuable, they are moving towards something. All these different noises that are seemingly in opposition to one another, they need to move towards a resolution. And the greatest resolution of all the noise and all the dissonance is the resurrection. Dissonance is a mingling of discordant sounds, especially a clashing or unresolved musical interval or chord. It's unresolved. It's just contrasting noise. It's noise that are discording with one another. It's just a bunch of noise. And we live in a world right now that everybody's got an opinion about everything and no one agrees on anything. And even in our own selves, sometimes we disagree with ourselves. You know what I love about Abraham? It says that he was not at odds or war with himself. It says that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. This word dissonance is also used in, in the realm of psychology. My wife was a psychology major. I wasn't, but I've lived with a psychology major now for almost 18 years, so I've, I've learned a lot about psychology. I'm a human being. I've learned a lot about psychology just being around people. But there's something called cognitive dissonance in the psychological and psychiatric realm. And it's a psychological conflict resulting from incongruous beliefs and attitudes that are held simultaneously. Psychological conflict resulting from incongruous beliefs and attitudes that are held at the same time. Cognitive dissonance. This morning, in light of the resurrection, I want to just bring this uh, to a close, but at the same time, bring this to a peak that God wants us to learn to rise above the noise. Because many of us find ourselves stuck in a body that longs for 
the pleasure of this world, and yet has been granted by God a spirit that yearns to know Christ in all his fullness and yearns for a heavenly home. We find ourselves as pilgrims and strangers in this world, but at the same time, we have feelings and desires that crave for the things of this world. And in a way, we find ourselves in cognitive dissonance. We are resulting from a conflict between incongruous beliefs. They don't, they don't match, they don't meet. In fact, light and darkness, they can't dwell together. The earthly and the heavenly, they seem to be on different planes altogether. And there we are finding ourselves wanting to have so much pleasure, but at the same time, wanting an eternal home, wanting to experience all the joys, the peace of heaven. And we find ourselves in this place of cognitive dissonance. We're right there in the middle of all the noise and we can't hear anything but uncertainty. Someone mentioned to me earlier this week, it's like Ecclesiastes being played out right before our very eyes. Anyone who's familiar with Ecclesiastes is actually entitled The Preacher. And in this, Solomon basically takes a look at everything under the sun, from pleasure to possessions to relationships to children and, 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 and work and everything that you can think of. Entertainment. You could, I mean, if he was living in today and age, he'd be looking at sports, He'd be looking at influence and authority and reputation. Everything under the sun was put under a scrutinous eye. And at the end of the day, this is what the preacher said. There's, a mundane, there's, there's, there's mundane in this world. There's the ordinary. There's, the, there's just the, the outflow of life. And many are stuck in a meaningless world. Everything which is considered important and essential is brought before the scrutiny of an interrogative eye. The conclusion drawn, Solomon says, everything is meaningless under the sun. All is vanity. Solomon was an existentialist. He looked at everything and said, from the external, man, life really is a big joke. Like, we've, we've been dealt a bad hand. Like, somebody's cruel behind all this if this is everything. Like, I've given myself to everything that my eye could ever want. And the emptiness that's on the inside of me is so real. The harder I try to fill it, the bigger the hole gets, the more gaping of a wound there is, as it were. What's up with this? All is vanity, worthless, and without any more value than the passing pleasure stimulated for a short moment, only to vanish away and leave a deeper longing than the previously existed. The final assessment, Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I don't have any pleasure in him at all. And then in 12, 13, and 14, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, Keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Amen. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Yeah. Say, man, why would, you, why would you share that? That doesn't bring much hope on the day of the resurrection because we have to understand the uncertainty of the world in order to really begin to celebrate what has been given to us in the gift of eternal life. Because so many believers, I find this, even in my own life at times, this cognitive dissonance. Like I'm at war with my own self. I'm happy and sad at the same time. I'm joyful and mourning at the same time. 
I'm expecting at the same time, fearful at the same time. Like, what's up with this, John? And you all know what I'm talking about. Like you have this hope of what God is supposed to be doing, but at the same time, you feel like you're walking through the valley where there's no sight of it ever taking place. You know, we're just having the conversation, my wife and I, you know, we're not getting any younger. We've been waiting a long time for my wife to have a natural childbirth. But we know at this stage in our life, just as we've known early on because of what's been told us, this is going to be a miracle of God. And the further this goes along, the more it seems like it's further and further away or less and less a realization, less and less a reality. And if you listen to all the noise, you'd fall prey to the fact that I'm stuck in the earthly. But I'm constantly reminded of the fact that with God, all things are possible. With God, I'm not locked into the earthly. The supernatural has invaded this world And so the life that God grants has now been given to me so I don't have to fall prey to the things that I'm feeling. I can actually surrender my thoughts and my feelings to the Lord and take on a position that's above the noise. Amen? Because where do we find what God wants us to live in? He wants us to live in hope. He wants us to realize that ultimately we do have a desired end, that God's will for us is to prosper and to be blessed that we have a promise, that we have eternal life, that we have a confidence and expectation, that there's joy and peace, there's patience and love, all the fruits of the Spirit, in fact, are elevated in our life and expressed through our life when we learn to get above the noise and look up where Christ is seated. The life consists of mundane and the memorable, the shallow and the profound, but the reality is what brings uh, unity to these things is the fact of the resurrection that the mundane can take on the sacred, that the ordinary can become supernatural, that the things that seemingly are insignificant are actually preparing for me something that's going to have lasting value, that God is doing something in my life no matter what season I find myself in because the hope of the resurrection is always before me because this is not just something that happened. This is something that is reality right now. Amen? The way in which we master the things of this world is not allowing them to master us. And the way we do that is to get our gaze above. God wants to instruct us today. You need to learn to look up. Amen. Look up. We have a king and he's coming soon. This thing that we're walking through right now, let me just say this. This is only a test. It's just a test. The real challenges still lie before us. Hey, oh, you don't say that. It's the truth. The real challenges still lie before us. This is just a test, but God's will for us is that we would learn to keep perspective and radiate a life that is risen because our life is hidden with Christ and God. In closing, I want to just share four just brief thoughts considering these verses that we just read in Colossians chapter 3. First is this. The New King James uses the word if. Other translations use the word since. It's a word that draws attention to the fact that a previous statement needs to be accepted in order for you to enjoy the benefits here. In other words, that it's, it's, it's contingent upon the previous clause. If or since. If you want to take notes this morning, you write the word since. Since. If we could get our life above and, and, 
And, and the sense that we have now is that Christ is risen. It's the resurrection. Malachi said it this way, the son of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. He's dawned a new day. It's a new day. No matter how dark the night, the morning will certainly come for those who hope in the Lord. Thus this, the dance that, that Angela did was so great. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. That dawn of a new day is sure to arise within our hearts. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For those who fear and revere the name of the Lord, we have great hope and expectation. Or for those who haven't yet, there's the if. It's a question mark. The sense. Sense. Because this is the sense. None of the following promises can be claimed should this not be true of you. If you have not, in fact, been risen with Christ. The Apostle Paul said our identification with him is in baptism. That we've put our faith and trust in Christ. There's been an expression outwardly because of what we believe inwardly. I'm not saying baptism saves. I'm saying that this is what he's, he's, he's pointing to is the fact of our identification with Christ. Now, at the same time, we should continue to participate in the Lord's communion table. We should also celebrate the baptism of water because of the expression of what it, what it is actually declaring, that this is so. It gets our eyes above the noise. It lets us know that we've been dead with Christ and now we've been risen with Christ. What I was is dead and what I now am is under the power of God. I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm a new creation. The old nature is gone. It's gone. I'm not the same person. I may look the same on the outside, but that's because you base everything on earthly. I'm living above the noise. I'm living above the noise. The question was asked by Isaiah, have you believed the report of the Lord? Jesus echoed this. He says it's because the religious leaders didn't believe the report of the Lord that they were going to put him on a cross. And he said this in the days of the celebration of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Sense. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you still in the if? Have you received the report of the Lord? Do you know what it was that he did on the cross for you so that all that sin and all that you've ever done wrong, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none ever that's done right. We've all viciously attacked the ways of God through our ignorance, and we deserve the wrath of God, and yet he sent his wrath upon his own son on a cross, a cruel cross, put him into a grave, for not for his own sin. He said he was out sin, without sin. He was blameless. He was a perfect lamb. He did it for us. Are you still in the if? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ this morning? Do you really know the Christ as the risen one? Because you can't claim the promises of resurrected life if you haven't put your faith and trust in the one who was buried so that you can identify your life in that same burial, learning that the cross is an anthem of crucif uh, crucifixion as a threat, but to those who have experienced the death of Christ, it's a promise. It's a promise that I don't have to stay where I'm at, that I can experience the newness of life. Are you still in the if? Are you still in the sense? Now is the time. The Isaiah wrote over 700 years before Christ came, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. Of course, talking about the type of death that he would die, the crucifixion, he was beaten beyond recognition as a human. 
his body was, was given over to cruelty and, and it showed the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And we could see that we hid our faces. It was too much for us to even watch, to handle. Yet he was despised and he, we, we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him, being Jesus stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And many in the world stand in that place today. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we're the ones who are healed. We like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. But God has laid on him or the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. He didn't open his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who's going to declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He, being Christ, was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. He died. And his grave was made with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had no violence in his mouth, nor there was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, was, he put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord is going to prosper in his hand. By his knowledge, my righteous servant is going to justify many because he's going to bear their iniquities. Therefore, the Lord says, I'm going to divide a portion of the great with him and I'm going to divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. This is our Lord. This is written prophetic word hundreds of years before Christ came. The Jewish people don't know what to do with chapter 53 of Isaiah. The resurrection speaks exactly what it is. Have you believed the report of the Lord? Are you still in the sense? The second thing is this. He says, therefore, set. First, he says, set your heart, set your your, your your gaze and seek those things that are above. There's got to be a pursuing diligently for the things that are heavenly. Let your life be transcended by the reality of the resurrection. Let there be a trans, uh, just an absolute transcension of this world. Get anything above the noise, above the noise, above all the things that are pulling at us in earthly pleasure and worry. The cares of this life will suck out your life if you let them, if you can't get above the noise where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It's time for us to learn that we can be transcended because our life has been risen together with Christ. And then it says, set your mind on things above. Let it become the direction of our affection and where our minds are fixed. Let our thoughts constantly be upon the Lord and let us live in the realm of the heavenly even as we walk through the mundane and the ordinary because even there we can find that God is gonna cause our lives to thrive and be a blessing to those around us. Third thing is this, secure. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. The resurrection, Paul wrote in chapter six, is once for all. It's finished. There's a security that comes to know that your life is locked in with Christ and in God. And fourth, he says, we need to learn to mortify in verse five, Colossians three, and put to death the members which are on the earth, 
all the works of the flesh, fornication, sexual desire that's unclean, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and idolatry. He says, sever it, cut it off, put it to death. These are the things that, these are the things that pertain to the old way of life. And he's saying it's got to go. We have been made a new creature, and we must act in accordance with this new life. The light is shown, the sun is risen, and the deeds of darkness need to be put off completely. We have resurrection life on the inside of us. Aren't you glad this morning we're no longer under the power of sin? And so this morning, I just want to instruct you as the people of God. There's a sense, and that sense is this. The resurrection is real. And therefore, because Christ is risen, you've been risen. The power of Christ is at work inside of you. You don't have to give in to this cognitive dissonance of feeling at tension, at odds with your own self, to give in to all these passing pleasures. You can put to death the deeds of the body, and you can live in the life of God. You can know what it is to walk with Jesus on a daily walk. This is real. This is a real walk. It will give meaning and value to your life so that you don't get stuck in Ecclesiastes, stuck in the meaninglessness of it all. No, he says, listen, get above the noise and get above the noise early in your life. Get above the noise early in your life that you can learn that there's only one voice that you really need to tune your ear into to hear consistently, and that's the voice of God. And as you begin to nurture the voice of God, and God has given us this time to pause and reflect upon all that he's done in our lives, cause us to get away into that secret place and begin to reflect on the fact that, listen, there's resurrection power on the inside of me. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? That we can set our affections. In other words, we've got to put all our eggs in this basket. We've got to understand that we've been granted a heavenly home, and we've got to live with the expectation that that is so real that it, it causes us to transcend this natural life, not to lose sight of it in the sense of we've got to continue to live in it, but we can live above the noise. Amen? Set your affections above. Praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hmm. uh, There's a security we have in Christ. Many people sometimes question even their own salvation. And God says, time to get away with me. Because I don't want you to live in this constant tension in your own life. I want you to live in the security of the fact that your life is hid with me. Why don't you hide it with me? You've spent so much time trying to hold on to your life. And I'm telling you, the longer you try to hold on to it, the more you keep surrendering it. If you learn to let go of it, then you'd find it. There's a security in Christ, and he wants us to experience that security. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. You can be the most hostile, the worst of ever sinners. It's not a matter what you were. That's got to be put to death. It's who you will be, and that's a gift from God. So it's not about you getting better. It's about you experiencing the life-transforming power of the resurrection. Because to rise from the dead is not a natural occurrence, it's a supernatural one. Show me anyone in history who's ever taken up their own life. You'll never find one but Christ. And therefore, we ourselves are able to experience the life-giving power of God because he took us out of sin and death, and he raised us up together with Christ so that we can now, as Paul said, be seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ. And we can experience all the spiritual blessings of heaven now here on earth. That's reality. And we can know the confidence that we have a communion with the Father and the only true God and with Jesus Christ whom he has sent, that we can have this confidence. There's a security. I'm so secure in the fact, you know what, this, this plague, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about this pandemic in the sense of what's going to do to me. What I'm worried about is this, that there's people that might not know Jesus, and I'm concerned to the fact that, listen, I don't want anyone to breathe their last breath without having confidence that their life is hid with Christ in God. This is my worry. This is my concern. 
My concern is not about where I'm going. I'm confident of that fact because Christ has made that. My security is not based upon my righteousness. Listen, I look at my own life and even like, man, God, I don't even know why you put up with me so much, but you do. You love me. And so I'm not, I'm not basing my life on my own righteousness. And I've tried as hard as I can my entire life to do the right thing. But I know, as you know, you've lived in cognitive dissonance. Like you told yourself, don't do it, and you still did it. You said you're not supposed to, and you still did. You said don't desire it, and you're still like, man, I really want it. Right? Let's get above the noise. And finally, let's, let's experience that reality of learning how to sever the things that are old. Listen, some things got to be cut off. You got to cut it off. Right? Like if you rose from the dead, do you think the disciples, when they came out of those doors, like some of their perspectives shifted? Right? The ones that say, can I sit at your right hand and your left hand now? Like, Lord, I'm so glad even just to walk in this path. Right? I'm not worried about the rule and reign now, Lord, as much as I am. Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. There was a shifting. Something began to shift in those disciples. Now, I know it doesn't all happen at once. There were still those, those roots still there that needed to be revealed. And God's in the business of causing us. Right now, some of us are having a hard time with everything that's going on being all quiet. Oh, yeah. Stuff's coming up. We're at war with ourselves. And God's saying, listen, just cut it off. Amen. Sever it. it just let it go. Put your faith in Christ. Get back to that simple, basic, essential place. Listen. There's resurrection power, and it's for me, Amen. and it's for today. Yes. Help me to live it out. With every eye closed this morning, head bowed, could you pray with me? Lord, in the midst of everything that's going on, I thank you for the confidence we have of resurrected life. That death has lost its victory. The grave has lost its power. There's no longer any sting of death. I'd never be afraid of a wasp if it didn't have a stinger. Just a pest. And Lord, now that's all it is, my life, Lord. All the things that once threatened with pain have lost their power, and now they're just a pest. And so help me, Lord God, just to push those things off as a distraction and get my eyes and my heart and my head above the noise. Help me, Lord, to live in resurrected power and resurrected life. Lord, I pray if there's somebody watching this broadcast this morning that doesn't know you personally, Lord, that their knees would hit the floor right now and they would say, Lord, I don't want to stay stuck at conflict with my own self. Lord, I am stuck of being locked into the meaninglessness of this world that you know, it provides nothing for me of any lasting value. The harder I try to get out of the, the monotony of it all, the bigger the hole I make for myself when I try to experience in things outside of your will. It's just a, a vicious cycle, and I'm sick of the cycle, Lord. Would you help me, Lord, to identify with you? Let me believe, Lord, that you died for me, that you bore my transgression upon the sin, that even though I was wandering the wrong way, Lord, you came after me. Let me be the one, Lord, that comes into your fold now and experiences this life that's real. Listen, I pray your blessing, Father, upon everyone that's, that's watching right now. Resurrected power. And Lord, as we get ready to celebrate the fact, Lord, that you laid down your life, we can have a confidence that you're coming back. And you're coming back for a church that's not weak and without power, but you're coming back for a church that's learned to occupy with the expectation that you are coming back. And it gives value to our work. It gives value to our life. It helps us live with expectation and hope, Lord, that this is not it. There's more to come. And Lord, I want to be pleasing in the things that seemingly are insignificant because you are going to grant to all those who are faithful a reward that's great. And you're going to bring us into your everlasting kingdom. Lord, help us to live with that expectation. Help us to live, I pray, Lord Jesus and God our Father and Holy Spirit above the noise. I'll pray it now in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. if you don't know Jesus personally, it's just simple. You just pray, Lord, 
I confess I haven't done things your way. I've tried to find means of, of, of salvation outside of Jesus, and I've, I find that they lead me nowhere. Lord, I believe that you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you were buried in a grave, and I believe that you rose from the dead under your own power. And because you rose from the dead, all the words that you have spoken are now words that are speaking to me, and I believe them. And I want to put my trust in you, Lord Jesus, and I ask that you would help me in this journey. Just a simple prayer. Lord, help me. I believe you would be sufficient. And if you have prayed, I would encourage you to pick up the Word of God. You start writing the Gospels, right in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just start reading the words of Christ and find He gives hope. He's not discriminatory. Whether you're a tax collector or a harlot, sinner, His Word is for you. Amen. He loves you. He came for you. He didn't die for His own sin. He died for yours and He died for mine. Amen. 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 Aren't you grateful this morning for the resurrection? So I asked you to participate in communion table this morning. I know it would take a little bit of time, but you know, it's, it's, it's Resurrection Sunday. God wants us to get above the noise. Turn off the media devices. Turn off the TV today. Just take time to meditate upon the fact that Christ, he's at work within you. Don't live in cognitive dissonance. Don't live in that place of, I believe Christ had risen from the dead, but I'm, I'm completely controlled by my own lust. He doesn't want you to live there. He wants you to see that you can mortify those deeds of the body because Christ has given you resurrected power. He's granted his Holy Spirit to those who have put their faith and trust in him. Um, just take a moment here if you're going to join with us in the communion table. I thank God for the communion table and I thank God for this Resurrection Sunday. Continue to express the fact that my wife and, and I and Harley miss you greatly. We miss your faces, we miss your hugs, handshakes, and just, um, just hearing your voices um, face to face. We've done the best we can to, to stay in, in touch with one another, and, and for those, you know, it's apologize that we're not able to do it better. Um, I know this isn't ideal, um, but this is what's going to be done for right now. I want you to be encouraged, the fact that we can get above the noise that we can be seated together with Christ, that we can get our mind on earthly, uh, off earthly things and onto heavenly things, and we can live in that place of expectation. Come on, let's turn our eyes away. Turn off, turn off all that stuff that's just clouding. Turn off all that stuff that is, 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 is stirring up within you, a desire to have more stuff or, or, or to fall into the opinions of men or to, to express that anger that's been put to death. The guilt, the shame, the fear, the lust power in the name of Jesus and that power is at work now within us and may we live in that place and may we come out of this thing stronger than we've ever been before as a body ready to do the work of Christ in this world refocusing reshaping what the church even looks like that you and I are the church of Jesus Christ and this is our time to shine because we have power on the inside of us it's resurrection power it's resurrection power it's on the inside of us it's life changing it's worldview shaking come on it's, it's shifting there's a shifting, there's a dawn arising, it's a new day. The son of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings and he wants to express that healing through your life and my life. May we be the people of God. The Apostle Paul is giving you some time to get the emblems prepared. I pray that you participate together with us. This is a declaration the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the first letter in the 11th chapter. I've received from the Lord that which I also pass on to you. 
that in the same night which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. He says, take, eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner also after he had supped, he took the cup which represented the cup of redemption. He lifted it up, said, this is the new covenant, the new testament in my blood which is poured out for you. He says, drink. And he says, you participate in these emblems remembering the Lord's death till he comes. And it's important that you take these things in a manner that's worthy, that you understand that it's not about just about you. It's about living a life that Christ has set for us. It's a life of esteeming the Lord's body, discerning it, and understanding all that he's done. We've passed up some of these uh, small emblems, and just in participating, there's, there's actually two layers. The first is the, the, the clear cellophane, which will get you to the little piece of bread that represents the body, and then the, uh, the actual foil piece, which will get you into the cup that represents the blood. I know it can be a little difficult to open. I'll give you a moment, and you pull that back, and these are just representations, but they are celebratory emblems. They represent what Christ has done for us that Christ has risen and therefore his blood has credence, his blood has power, and his work is finished. The broken body which was broken for you and me, it still speaks healing. And I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus that if someone is watching this, Lord, is dealing with, with crippling effects of, of, of degenerative disease in their body, Lord, that even right now, Lord, that, that that power of resurrection would enter into that body and there would be healing. I pray, Lord, that the mind, Lord God, that's at war with its own self, dealing with depression and oppression, Lord, that right now there would be a release as we understand, Lord, that your body was broken for us. The one who's been racked with pain and, and, uh, and, and discouraged, Lord, I pray that hope would come in, Lord, as, as a body is refreshed in the knowledge, Lord, that you still work today as you've ever worked, that resurrection power is still a reality. May we experience it. And Lord, that we would remember, Lord, above all, that your body was broken for sin, of which we've all been partakers, but now has been broken so that we can all partake of life. So may the life, Lord, that's represented in this body be on the inside of us and be it reflected through us. He took the body and he, with bread that represented his body, and he broke it and he took and he, let's participate together the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You just give him a praise this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you were broken, Lord, that your body could be made whole. Thank you, Lord, that we are now an extension, Lord, that that power that was in you is in us, that greater works can be done now because you have ascended to the Father and you've granted your life to be expressed through us. That same power that was in Christ that raised him from the dead is now at work in us. We thank you, Lord, for the broken body. And now the poured out blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no removal of sin. The blood of the Paschal Lamb had to be offered every year as an atoning sacrifice. But it was a temporary shadow of things to come. Shadows have been put off when the sun has risen in its fullness. Christ has come and healing is in his wings. His blood was spilt. And the sacrifice is offered to us a new covenant, a new day. 
even what the apostles uh, of our faith testified of and what the prophets hoped for, what the fathers of our faith looked forward to, what they yearned for, looked ahead to the days which would happen. You and I have experienced now the power of the blood on the inside, and we get to live out the full expression of what they hoped for. The glory of the new covenant is at work now within his church. It's time for us, church, to shine bright in the midst of this hour because we understand the power of the blood. It cleanses of the vilest of sin. It can take scarlet stains and make them white like wool. It can take the deepest offenses and heal to the uttermost. It can secure our future in him because it has made atonement for sin. And now we can live in a place that we had no power to before because Christ has become a sacrifice and he has become our Passover. So we can live out now a life that's unleavened by this world. We can live above the noise. Amen. We to participate together in the cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. It's power in the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment of thoughtful reflection. Lord, you've done in me what I could never do. Lord, you changed me and made me new. Forever, Lord, I want to serve you. Take my heart, God, and make it fully yours. Take my mind, Lord, help it get above the noise. Take my life, Lord, as a surrender, Lord, to thee. Use my hands and use my feet, Lord, to follow where you lead me. Take my life, Lord, as an expression, God, of your love, as an instrument now, of your workings. Let your spirit govern me and may my thoughts ever be, Lord, upon thee. God, I love you for your goodness and I praise you, Father, for your faithfulness. May you go with your people and cause them to thrive in the midst of it. May there be a celebration and shouts of joy resounding from the tents of the righteous because you have done for us what no power could do. You have turned our mourning into dancing. Lord, we thank you this morning for the resurrection. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for all your goodness in Jesus' name. All God's people said, I love you all and uh, I can't wait to see you. But I just want you to live with that expectation. Come on, this is real. It's real. It's real and it's on the inside. And we celebrate this morning. It's on the inside. And we want to live that out now. So master the mundane. Maximize those opportunities. God is setting you up for something great. And it's great in his eyes. The world doesn't matter. Get your head above the noise. Let your life be elevated seated together in heavenly places with Christ, risen together with Christ because he's seated at the right hand of the authority and power of God. May the blessing of God and favor rest on you. May the spirit continue to draw you deeper into a more revelatory understanding of Christ's work and his person so that you could experience the joys of eternal life now. God bless you. Amen.